Restaurants Unstoppable, episode 155. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Johan Eggman. Johan, are you feeling unstoppable today? <laughs> yeah, I guess so, man. Uh, we're we're <laughs> off. Uh, I just opened a new restaurant about ten days ago, and uh, it's already been you know busier than we expected. We're uh, on an hour and fifteen minute wait all weekend. So um, I feel on fire, for sure. <laughs> Great, man. Well, let me just give the listeners at home a quick overview of who you are, and then we'll dive into it. Uh, Eggman arrived to the U.S. when he was 16 and got his start working in the restaurant industry as a dishwasher in a small Italian restaurant. He moved on to busing tables at the Embassy Suites before working as a server at a number of local restaurants. Uh, just working in restaurants wasn't enough. He wanted to be an owner. In 2008, Ingman opened the Fig Tree Cafe. Seven years later, Ingman now oversees operations and owns three successful branches of the Fig Tree Cafe, uh, along with Cafe uh, Cantata in the restaurant you're just talking to us about that you opened 10 days ago. I'll let you fill us in with that. Uh, but this is just a huge overview, Johan, of who you are and what you're all about. Uh, I can't wait to capture your stories and your advice, but before we do that, I need you to get that inspirational, motivational ball rolling with a success quarter mantra. What do you have for us today? I think a lot of it, I mean, it's just being persistent, you know, and uh, there's so many people who, other people have a good idea here and there, or they, they come up with a concept, but they either just, they just don't do it, or if they do it, they give it a couple of months and, and then just sort of eh, move on. You know, I, my victory was by no means an overnight success. It took me almost three years for the first one to actually become profitable. And mm. I was just essentially determined to not let it fail. So I was working two, three other jobs just to keep the doors open because I, I believed I had a good concept. It was just, just needed some time for it to, to catch on and for people to, you know, more people to find out about it. And eventually that happened. And then it kind of just <clears throat> snowballed from there and I opened a few more, but, um, you know, I think just believing in yourself and having that persistent persistence is uh, is key, man. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So so far, I have your persistence, uh, just like that that discipline to show up every day. And uh, I mean, is there any other habit or it factor you can think of? There's tons of them. I mean, there's there's so many things that you know when you own a restaurant. In in this case, with the newest one, I don't have any partners, so there's there's more than just front of the house, there's back of the house, there's marketing, there's, mm. you know, budgets, there's dealing with um, all kinds of licenses and, and permits and whatnot. So, you know, I, I, uh, I try to surround myself with a good team of people mm. that I, I treat well, meaning I, I think good morale among your team is very important because there's no way you can do it all on your own. And, you know, just, just really showing appreciation to people and, and, you know, knowing yourself that there's no way this is a one-man show. It just simply cannot work that way. There's too yeah. much work, work involved. Absolutely. Where did you learn that, Johan, that, you know, the, the power of surrounding yourself with great people? 
think it's several different you know, ways I learned it. One, in, in a, a number of the restaurants I worked at before opening my own, I, I kind of learned from owners who I believe didn't run the restaurant mm-hmm. right, meaning mm-hmm. like they, they didn't really treat their staff well. They didn't really appreciate them. And, uh, I, I, you know, it's just, just a terrible feeling going into work when you don't like it. And you know, you, you know, one day the owner could be in a good mood, the next day he could not. Um, so I tried to learn from that by basically not doing that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, also just seeing the results of, you know, you give your employees a voice. You, you let them know that, hey, you know, you're a big part of this team and, and empowering them in a sense that, you know, for, for example, let's say you have a hostess who um, overquotes or underquotes a wait time and she, you know, she has an upset customer and, and they're getting ready to leave. For her, to, for her to know that look, she could buy him a coffee or a latte or whatever it might be just to keep running instead of having to run around and try to find me saying, hey, is it okay for me to do that? I always tell people, look, just make, try to make a judgment call uh, based on what you think is the best thing that will solve this mm. problem. Now, at the end of the day, if we sit down and, and if I thought, you know what, that probably wasn't the best move, um, I'll, I'll just, I will discuss it and say, look, next time let's, let's, go, let's go this route. But I won't, be, I won't come down on them because the bottom line is, they tried to do something that, in their opinion, was for the better interest of the restaurant. Now, again, if it didn't work out, it didn't work out. But if, I think that when you empower people and when you don't micromanage and you don't breathe down their neck, people operate better. And I, I know I, that worked for me when I was working you know, at restaurants that actually had ownership that, that were managing that way in, in a non-micromanagement way. Um, I enjoyed that much, much more. So that's my style, and it seems to be working well. Awesome. I love it. And you said persistence. You said it took three years to get that first uh, location going. So what was it? I mean, what did you do that you think other people don't do in that three years that helped you get to success? Well, I did anything and everything it took. And <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll give you a quick rundown. It's kind of a funny, funny story. But so at that time, um, my, my girlfriend at the time was a recruiter for a big uh, corporate um a company that I had to contract with big corporate companies, and one of them was a medical company that was just hiring 19 positions. And basically, long story short, they required a college education and this and that experience, and I didn't have any of that. I never went to college. But we forged a resume um, I completely. I went in and nailed the interview and got the job and all this stuff. And the point of the story is not, yeah, did I, did I cheat? No, I mean... I basically did whatever it took. Nobody got harmed in this, but I, I did a great job at that, at that job. But mm-hmm. the point is, I did whatever the hell it took in this case to to make it work. You know, in this case, I needed to keep these doors open to the restaurant because I knew it was going to be a success eventually. I just needed to find a way to get some, have some income to cover my expenses and the restaurant expenses. And um, you know, eventually, like I said, two and a half, three years later, it did take off. Most people probably would have just given up and saying, well, I don't have the money, uh, so what am I going to do? It's, it's, to most people, that's the logical answer is just to close the door and say, oh, I gave it a shot. Well, to me, it's like I, that's just simply not good enough for me. If there's a will, there's a way, one way or another somehow. You know? Yeah, I love that attitude, just like don't give up. Because so many times people, they just say this isn't possible. They look at the numbers, they look at what's coming in, what's going out, their expenses and, and everything, and they take the big picture. And they say, this isn't possible. But if you just take the time to say, how can I make this possible? Well, you know, what can I do? Like, there's so many, you know, little things you can do. There's so many 
creative things you can come with up with just to make it. And it sounds like that's what you did. Like you didn't give up. You just got creative and you just constantly ask, like, how can I make this happen? Yeah, definitely. I mean, trust me, there was plenty of mornings. I mean, I was getting up at 5.30 a.m. and going there to, you know, get the restaurant set up for opening and then go to the, my other jobs, you know, that I was questioning my own sanity, honestly, because I'm like, what, why am I doing this? Like, I'm not making any money. Um, I'm just, I mean, I'm working 24-7, it seems like, but I'm obviously super happy I did it now and I wouldn't change a thing. Mm. Uh, but I think it's, you know, it's a... Persistence. You gotta. You gotta work hard. You gotta. You gotta not give up. You gotta just keep going. Yeah, I, I love it. I mean, give us one example, Johan. One thing that you did that you think most people wouldn't do. One creative way you just were able to keep the doors open and keep on pressing on. Well, there was there was one thing. So at this one first restaurant, which is in Pacific Beach in San Diego, and it, it's very saturated with alcohol licenses there, and. Everybody told me, like, at this point, like, don't even try to apply for it. It's not going to happen. Don't do it. It's pointless. And I said, well, I knew that, you know, the, the profit margin in alcohol is obviously way higher than food, so I knew I needed that, and I still went for it. And I ended up getting it, but it took me two and a half years to get this. It was a beer and wine license, mm-hmm. not a liquor license, which normally should take, like, four months to get. Um, and basically not listening to everybody who says this is not going to happen. Don't do it. Don't this, that, that, that other thing. And just go with your own gut instinct instead of listening to all the naysayers who suggest that this is impossible or that's impossible. If I would have listened to half the people, I mean, look, I opened this first restaurant in October 2008, the height of the recession. That's <laughs> arguably, arguably the worst time to open a new restaurant. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So, I, you know, so just... Look, if you're if you're determined to do something, just just go go with your gut feeling. Just just go with it and do it, and just don't give up. And you know, don't listen to everybody who's gonna have something negative to say. I guess. Awesome, yeah, man, great stuff. I totally just, just loving it, picking up what you're putting down. And uh, we gotta move on now to the time of the interview where you just share uh, with us a failure, Johan, where you just fell hard on your. Fanny, uh, what you learned from this failure and how you got back up. Okay. Um, well, there's, there's certainly been, everybody has had failures, you know. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, I, I learned a hard lesson once, at least for me, with regards to uh, restaurants and, and, you know, really surrounding yourself with a, a good team in the sense, I'm referring to an attorney in this time, in this case, because um, I I wouldn't say I tried to take, take a shortcut, but I was trying to, um, you know, just get a deal done. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I've never I, I've never done it before, and I will never do it again. But for some reason, this one time I did it. I didn't have my attorney review a certain amount of documents and this and that. And as it turns out, you know, I ended up uh, in a pretty bad situation because of that. So. Um, you know, I guess my point is that I, I knew prior to that that I should always have attorneys review this, and, and, you know, I had a pretty expensive attorney, I still do, but, you know, there's no such thing as free advice, and I guess my failure was that I didn't go with what I knew was right, and I just 
decided, hey, you know, I could do this on my own, and I ended up, <laughs> again, not ended up not too good in that situation. I was able to rectify it down the line, but, you know, lesson learned that, you know, you stick with your principles. Uh, if your principles is to always have your attorney, attorney review this, always have the contractor do that, whatever it might be, you know, stick with those things. Don't deviate from your... Uh, um, you know, sort of. Yeah, your your personal, you know, standards and codes, I, I guess. But uh, so let me see if I understand what's going on. So you had an issue or a situation where you had to deal with some paperwork, and you have one of your, your personal codes of conduct is that you have your attorney, uh, the one you just look over stuff. And for this circumstance, you didn't do that, and that ended up hurting you. What, what like what were the specifics of the situation? Like what? Was it? Can you share with us like what kind of paper it was and like why things didn't go through, like what you missed, so we can protect ourselves from making the same mistake? Yeah, it was a, it was a lease. I mean, it was a lease for a certain place that I don't, you know, it ended up not working out, but but I ended up getting out of it. But I, you know, I had to basically mediate and meet them some somewhere in the middle afterwards. But I could have gotten stuck in this particular place for a long time, but I was able to get out of it. So, you know, there was a fine print that I didn't either read or understand, I suppose. I don't know. No, I mean, it comes up time and time again on the show that we, you know, like you, you mentioned a few times already, you got to surround yourself with those people who know what you don't know. Like, put that, spend that money now so you don't have to spend it later. Um, you'll spend it ten times later if you don't spend that money now just to, to get these people on your team, like the attorneys, uh, just to like the consultants, just to, to see the things that you're not familiar with, the things that they've experienced and gone through. You can save yourself a lot of time and money. Um, so I'm happy to hear that you got out of it, Johan. But yeah, awesome advice there. So we have busted through the first half of this interview. The second half, you're just going to drop some bombs of knowledge on us. Are you ready? <laughs> sure, man. <laughs> All right. The uh, first question I have is, what advice do you have for funding a restaurant and getting that initial capital to get started? Well, um, for my first restaurant, I I funded it partially myself and partially with, you know, essentially friends and family. Um, it, my I had a very much a shoestring budget, so we're not talking about tons. Like, the kind of money I'm using today to open a restaurant was is just a... What I opened in the first one was, was a fraction of that. Um, so it's it's a little tough to get funding when you when you don't have the track record, you know. Mm. Um, especially again the fact that most restaurants unfortunately don't make it. So in in the beginning, at least from my experience, you know, I ended up I, I saved money for years, several years. I was working as a waiter, and you know, it's decisions like. Most nights when all the other waiters that I was working with, they would go out drinking and blow their money on, you know, all this nonsense where I would just say, no, I'm going to go home. I have a goal in mind, and I want to save up X amount of dollars. I want to open, open my own place. So this sacrifice mm. that I made to save this money um, to be able to have a shot at opening my own place um, and making those decisions when, yeah, maybe I would have an awesome time to go out and, drink and chase girls and whatever it might be, but I, I made it the, the conscious decision that, you know what, this is my goal. I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to make this happen one way or another. And, you know, that's, that's a conscious decision I made. And I knew, I knew I wasn't going to be able to go to probably a bank and get a loan for a, a restaurant when I have zero experience in operating a restaurant. So 
I figured that um, saving up some money, going to a few family members for just a small loan, we're talking, you know, five, ten thousand dollars from a few people here, and then somehow making this work on a shoestring budget. I mean, the first restaurant I, I started with plastic tables and chairs, man, um, and. <laughs> That's and then, awesome. you know, eventually, eventually we were able to upgrade to this and that. So, you know, it's, um, no, but I mean, I, I love, I love it. I mean, so many times I think people, they think they have this vision in their head that they have to go big right out of the gates and you, you can keep that vision, but you don't have to start big, start small, start affordable, start on your own budget. So if you, you know, if you do fail, you can recover. You're not going to be in the hole and have all this debt. Like you're you're saving up, like you did. I think that's the the safest way to go. And what other sacrifices, Johan, did you have to make aside from not you know being able to go out and get drinks with your friends? Like, how did you live? Like, what was your lifestyle like? Well, just certainly living a simple lifestyle in a sense that I I, I could certainly appreciate the the value of a dollar because. I I would I'm happy I didn't go get a loan or anything like that because I think it at least with the first restaurant where every dollar that went into it was you know money that I had earned myself so you appreciate that dollar more as opposed to if somebody just hands you a check mm. for two hundred thousand dollars and it's a loan you still have to pay that back however you didn't earn that so it makes you think twice when you know what I have these chairs I can buy for X amount of dollars or I can buy some used ones and maybe just sand them down and somehow fix them up. And, and yeah, maybe that's more work. But and the, at the end of the day, you know, it's a new, it, it's a new venture where I don't have that much money. It's my first restaurant. I will do, I will do that extra work to mm. save that money. And, uh, you know, that's what I did in every sense of the word <laughs> for that first restaurant. Awesome. We can learn so much from that just to, you know, start small to have that discipline like you had to save the money, uh, to just have those goals. I think it's so important to have goals and just have something to work towards. Sometimes people just don't live with that intentional purpose, but it sounds like you do. That's really admirable. So awesome stuff. The next question I have for you, Johan, is how do you hire people? What questions are you looking for? Um, you know, where are you looking? Give us, give us some information. Um, well, one of the interviews, I, you know, obviously there's the standard questions that everybody asks, but I, I try to, I, I give scenarios and see how people answer them. I, 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 you know, I'll tell them, like, I'll give them a scenario of this, that, and the other thing was happening in the restaurant. How would you handle that? Um, other things I tell them is that, you know, any situation in the restaurant, whether it be going plunging a toilet or whatever, I will never ask you to do anything I'm not willing to do myself. Mm. Uh, because I don't think I'm better than anybody else, or I don't think that, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, I don't walk around like I'm some sort of a whatever. But um, I think it's important to let people know that, you know, they, they have a voice in the restaurant and that they're not just some sort of workhorse. Mm-hmm. Because when you, feel appreci- when you feel appreciated and when you feel like the owner or the managers, um, you know, take what you say and actually value your opinion, I think that makes people want to work that hard, and more importantly, it makes them want to treat the restaurant like it's their own, and that goes very far. There's a fine, there's a fine line where, I, I tell you, uh, when I go to a restaurant, it could be, you could have great food, you could have a great design, but if you don't, if, if the person who works for you is just showing up for a paycheck and they want to, they can't get wait to get out of there and all this stuff, um, it's not going to, so I'm not going to shine through. It, it, 
I always look to have a good vibe in the restaurant. It's hard to de- it's hard to describe the word vibe, but I guess it's just one of those things when you walk into a busy restaurant. There's a buzz. There's the servers are excited, they're walking around, and, and and you know they might even high five each other or whatever the case may be. But if, if people are going to clock in and work for you for six, seven hours, whatever it might be, they're there. You might as well do you might as well do everything you can as an owner to get everything out of them. And mm-hmm. I think by with good morale. You get so much more out of people. If they, if you can get them to buy into your concept and buy into the restaurant in the sense of that they want to treat it like their own. They're mm-hmm. proud of it. Mm. It goes so, so much further because um, it becomes more than just a paycheck. They're excited. It's a hip, cool restaurant. They want to be there. They talk to their friends about it as opposed to somebody who just, oh, i got to go to work, you know, uh, blah, 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 whatever. It's... Um, that that's important to me. So when I hire people, I try to, you know, get this, it, 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 people with enthusiasm about either just the concept itself or the restaurant or uh, whatever it might be. But I, I ask questions to, you know, it's funny, some people, you know, I can ask from, from a person, hey, are you a very enthusiastic person? And then they'll sit there with a, with a face with no smile and say, Yes, I'm very enthusiastic, right? <laughs> so really? That's obviously, that's obviously not the right fit, but um, anyway. Um, no, I, yeah, I, I, I love it, man. I really do. I think you're giving us great advice. I think you're kind of starting to like lead into the next question is when you have these great people that you found that have that right attitude that are buying into your culture, how do you keep them on your team? Um, well, I'm a big fan of promoting from within. Mm. So, you know, if you have, if you hire, um, whatever, a 20, 20 year old hostess who doesn't have much experience, but she has this amazing personality. She has an outgoing personality. She, she loves the restaurant. She, she treats it like her own. And, and I'm giving you an example of somebody who works for me right now, who, who started as a hostess. Now she's, uh, uh, a waitress, and she's soon going to be promoted to a manager. And I, I really don't look that much at resumes when I hire people. Obviously, I take a look at what's their experience and what's, you know, where do they come from. But that only says so much because a resume doesn't tell me whether or not whether or not this person is going to show up on time for work, whether they're going to be enthusiastic, whether they're going to give it 110. percent So. Um, it's really about again treating them well, letting them know that you know there's there's room for growth here. If you work hard, you you know you you you, you take on more. If you want more responsibility, you, you ask for it, and, and I will certainly give you that. Um, so I think to answer your question, there's several answers. One is good morale. You know, you treat people good, and, and let let them know that there's room for growth because if you have a super super talented employee they're going to outgrow their current position one way or another and mm-hmm. it's either you keep them or somebody else is going to snag them up because it's hard to find good people yeah um so you might as well try to keep them and and, and uh, i've had several instances of that I, I lost an employee once who went and got a better paying job as a gm somewhere else and i ended up <laughs> snagging them back later you know but, <laughs> It happens, but I mean, I, you're giving us great. I mean, sorry, you gave us, uh, you know, you promote within uh, good morale, and you said there's a few more you want to share with us before I, I cut in. I mean, I think those those two are the main ones. Yeah. Um, and I'll I'll point out what you said earlier when you were talking about hiring people. You said you want to make people feel like 
they, they, they want to come to work. Like you provide that atmosphere where it's fun, where it's not just a job, but like you're going to work because you're, you're excited about it. You're going to be with the people you like. And when you can create that kind of culture where it's not a job, but a place to go and you start tapping into those higher needs of just, you know, making people feel like they're a belong of something greater than just a job. I mean, it, like, People, I think Danny Meyer says the best when he, like people are basically volunteering to work for you because they can go to any city, in the, you know, or any restaurant in the city and get a job, but they're choosing to work for you, you know. So you have to make sure you tap into those higher needs. What do you think about that? Yeah, totally, one hundred percent. I mean, it's uh, it's very true because uh, people have tons of options to go um, to work, especially now. I mean, San Diego is kind of booming right now as far as the restaurants and it. it it's tough to find good people, but when you when you when you find them, you know you you gotta you know you gotta treat them right. They're, they're gonna get a pay- paycheck from you or from somebody else, you know, no matter what. So the thing that makes you stand out is, you know, I, I, like for instance, kitchen guys. Like I try to, you know, uh, I have a lot of employees now, but mm-hmm. I try to my best to remember that you know, John or Jose or whatever has two kids and you know his girl little girl is in preschool or whatever it might be and just something so little as like hey you know how, how's your daughter you know is she graduating whatever it might be those small things so they they know like look I'm, they're not just a number to me they actually they mean something they are um a, a person that i that i care about as opposed to just somebody to come in and cut the potatoes and flip the eggs or whatever it might be yeah, I love it, man. Awesome stuff. Great stuff. So, can you think of any books, Johan, that you would recommend to our listeners? Like, I mean, you obviously are pretty educated. I can tell you know your stuff. I mean, all these this advice you're giving us, did you get that just from, you know, living? Or are there any resources you can share with us that you read to to prepare yourself to be as successful as you've been? Um, I, read, I read a lot of books. Um, not necessarily restaurant books, to be honest with you. Uh, there's one book that I really like. I, I, I only just because I read it recently. It's called the eighty uh, twenty principle. Oh yeah, tell us about that. That's something. Yeah, definitely dive into that a little more, please. Well, that's it's the, in a nutshell. It's, it's really like they say, you know, twenty, you know, twenty percent of what you do causes eighty percent of the, you know, the the results. Essentially, it's 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 choosing to. Um, how do I explain it? Um, you know, achieving more with less, and it's not—it's not trying to take shortcuts. It's just being smart, it's working smarter as opposed to harder. Okay, mm. I—if I'm running four or five restaurants, there's absolutely no way that I'm going to be able to do it all by myself. But I can, again, you can surround yourself with the right people. You can delegate. You, you obviously have to learn how to delegate if you're running several restaurants, because um, you can't be in more than one place at a time. So achieving more with less. And, and not, you know, just working smarter. Again, it, it all goes back to surrounding yourself with good people, I think, and really um, working smart, you know. I mean, I could go into lots of details, but that's, a, that's certainly at least a summary of it, you know. Awesome. Do you have any other books you want to share with us before we move on? <laughs> Believe it or not, I really like this book called The Starbucks Experience. The Starbucks not, Experience. Tell us about it. Yeah, it's not really It's not really about Starbucks, and it's really about the whole customer service aspect mm-hmm. of it. Good to great. Have you heard, have you heard of that one? I have heard. Of that. I just started re- re- uh, listening to that one on audio. I got through the first couple chapters. 
Yeah, by Jim Collins. That's a great one, I think. Yeah, all great stuff. Um, what's one lesson that you could give us from good to great? Well, the, the entire book is really about, like, sort of making that leap from a, a small company to, be, to, to become a bigger, greater company. And uh, I think in a nutshell, a lot of these books, I mean, I get inspired when I read them. And, mm-hmm. and it, it kind of all comes back to, it comes back to pure principles with, whether it be the 80-20 principles or uh, some sort of a book about not giving up or, you know, whatever it might be. But it, it, it really, you know, sticking to your guns, um, not giving up, really believing in yourself and your concept and, and, and being able and willing to go down that other road that most people don't go because, you know, you, you sort of don't follow the, the – um, the pack where everybody else goes, you're willing and able to live a few years of your life like no one else is willing to, so you can live the rest of your life like no one else can. That's one of my favorite quotes of what an entrepreneur is, and it sounds like that's what you're doing. And Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's just you got to read these books because they, they put your mind in the place it has to be to be successful. And those are some great books you shared with us. And I think we can move on to the next question now, Johan, which is on the topic of technology um are there any technologies you're leveraging in your restaurant whether front of house or back of house i mean there's just so many things coming out every day now it seems like i mean it's it's hard to stay on top of it so what are you using what can you share with us that you've seen results on how to make your restaurant more efficient more productive more profitable with using technology with pos systems these days i mean there's they can be so tremendously helpful when you when you really utilize them. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you pull reports. You know, whether it be sales by hour or sales by, you know, item and this and that, and really, really look into and really, really decipher what what the numbers say, and and then try to, you know, if I'm open, if I have a hundred seats in a restaurant and I'm open, and I'm open for whatever it might be, ten hours or so. You know, there's only so many covers I can do, but if I, if I notice that, for instance, so the new place is, is a breakfast place, so it's open from 7 to 3, and it's a little too soon to start overanalyzing things because we've only been, only been open for about 10 days. Mm-hmm. But either way, um, what I plan on doing is, you know, if, if I notice that between 10 and noon is our busiest time, and I see that between 7 and 9 is a little slower, and between 2 and 3 it is, you know, really – Dig into that and, and see what can I do to draw more people in, mm. and then is it is it something that I can do uh, drink special specials or can I do something else? It, it numbers speak very loudly, you know, mm. and and if, figure out ways to, you know, some people just want to oh they want to do a happy hour just to do a happy hour, right? I, I'm, I don't really that's not my train of thought. I try to look into where where do I need to when do I need to fill seats and what. What time of day, you know, what's going to be the ideal promotion for that? Um, and for me to make that determination, I have to see the numbers. I have to really figure out what's going on um, instead of just, you know, doing a two-for-one special or whatever it might be. Um, and, and I think, so. back to the whole technology thing, really utilizing the tools that you have in these point-of-sale systems because there's so many numbers, there's so many ways you can pull things, whether it be, you know, everything from what's selling to what's not selling to yeah. how much are you selling to to all these things. And, and I think it's really learning them and utilizing these tools because most 
you know, most uh, POS systems have them these days, and I think a lot of people don't utilize them as much as they could. Even like the host, the hostess, if she use an iPad with uh, some sort of an app where it's a waitlist app, you know, where you can, you have an opportunity to collect people's information then and there and to get feedback if they opt in for something like that. Or when you drop the check, you have a little thing where you can ask, you know, ask a couple of questions if they choose to do that or whatever it might be. Are you there's, using any of those tools? Of, we're using uh we, we tried at one of the restaurants one of these apps for uh, the wait list. We're going to try another one here in the next couple of weeks at the new restaurant. Um, here's an example for you. So if, let's say we're on an hour wait at, a rest, at one of the restaurants, right? Mm-hmm. And we're just using a traditional system where you write down on a piece of paper, you know, John Doe came in at whatever, 10, 15, we quoted him an hour wait, and so on and so forth. If, if we use an app through an iPad, um, you take down his phone number, and he gets an automatic text saying, you know, you're you're on the list. You you know, your wait's approximately an hour. Text back one if you want to remain on the list, or two if you're leaving. And it's it's kind of more non-confrontational when yeah. somebody. If somebody decides that, look, I'm not going to wait here, I'm just going to go, then they just leave and they don't say anything, then it's really hard to continue to quote accurate wait times because um, you think this guy's still waiting, and in reality, he's already gone somewhere else. Yeah. So you, your wait time is, in reality, only 40 minutes, but you're telling people an hour, yeah, and that's going to discourage more exactly. people from waiting. Yes, yeah, I'm, I, I'm totally dealing with that right now. I totally am picking up what you're going down. You're losing business. You're turning people away. You have this long list. People are you're quoting people an hour, and then a half hour goes by, and you have open tables. You're like, crap, what the heck happened? So, yeah. Uh, what's that tool do you, exactly that you're talking about? I know of No Way is one that I'm looking into, Is there, or that they've been on the show. Is there another one that you're using? Yeah, I, I, my assistant's researching it right now. I can't remember the name of it, but he's looking into it. And we tried. I think it was No Way or one of those we yeah. tried. And it was, it was, it was good. It, it, it didn't work perfect for us. But then there's this other one that he's looking into that we're going to try here soon. I, I don't, can't remember the name of it. Yeah, well, um, if you find out, but let I, me know. I'd like to check it out. Yeah, for sure. The, the point of it is, again, that it, it's trying to create something that's non-confrontational so They'll just click back and they'll say, two, no, I've gone somewhere else. Great. And so I can actually readjust the wait time accordingly so that it's not so intimidating for somebody who walks up. When I say an hour and 15 minutes as opposed to 35 minutes, which might actually be the, the real accurate wait time, you know? Yeah, you know, you're, at the end of the day, it's an incredible service to your guests. It's making their life easier. In any way you can make the life of your guests easier, uh, like those are all those little things will be what will make them want to come to your restaurant versus another one. It's just how, how like the least painful we can make it. How can we do that? And this is, sounds like a, one of those apps that you can use to make it extremely, uh, you know, just great experience. So awesome. Thanks for sharing that. So if you could go back in time, Johan, to when you're opening your first restaurant in 2008, if you could give yourself one piece of business advice, what would it be? Um, well, that's a good question, but, you know, I, I'm kind of a guy who I, I don't have any regrets in the sense of the mistakes I've made have made me into the person I am, you know? So, mm-hmm. I, 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 yeah, maybe I would give myself some advice, but a lot of those mistakes, I needed to make those mistakes because 
let's say that was back then a, a $2,000 mistake, right? Mm-hmm. That, I learned from that lesson. Now, today, that might be a $50,000 mistake because, you know, things are things have grown a lot more. But um, if I were to give myself advice back then, it's probably be a little bit more patient in the beginning in the sense of, you know, I, I wanted to have everything happen right away, and I'm still like that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm already negotiating. I'm already negotiating at least on another restaurant, and I barely just opened this one. So I've always, <laughs> I've always had the problem that I want everything to happen fast, fast, fast. Yeah. And I want to, I want to keep growing in this and that. But you know, I don't know. Stop and smell the roses, I guess, and, and, and don't, don't necessarily focus so much on the end destination try to try to get to a point where you can actually enjoy the journey mm. i've got i've gotten a lot better at this now but before i was so focused on you know i was hell-bent on making this happen and, and somehow you know succeeding that that's all that's all i thought that, that that was all that was part of my everyday thinking you know which maybe without it i wouldn't have gotten here but now I've learned to at least, yeah, I work hard, I do this and that, but I also <laughs> take some time to actually enjoy what's happening in my life, like enjoy mm. the success. Not, not by, I don't go, I'm, I'm not the kind of guy who's going to go buy fancy cars and this and that, but, you know, um, schedule time, take time to actually, you know, I- enjoy your life a little bit and, and not just be so caught up in everything because, if I find myself taking a, a little two-day getaway somewhere, I come back rejuvenated. Um, I come back feeling fresh, and I come back feeling way more, um, you know, creative. And that's sometimes you have to force yourself to take a break to come up with those new ideas, you know. Like for the, this newest restaurant, last year I went to Southeast Asia. I was in the, the rainforest in Borneo. And I was stuck in this cabin. It was raining. I was just sitting there for like two days, and I came up with all these crazy ideas that I now have incorporated in this new restaurant because there's nothing to do. I was just sitting there, and, and uh, you know, when you're home, there's so many distractions. I'm sitting at my desk at home right now. There's the internet. There's the this. There's the that. There's all these paperwork I know I need to do. Sometimes just escaping a little bit and just getting away from it all will will kind of let you tap into that creativity a little bit more. And that's when you get these cool ideas that, in this case with this new restaurant, Breakfast Republic, they really they stand out. Everybody's getting phenomenal feedback. And these are ideas that I had, uh, you know, on the other side of the world when I was sitting in this cabin <laughs> in the middle of a thunderstorm, you know? <laughs> That sounds awesome, and I love what you said about just enjoy, like, enjoying the journey, and it's not about the destination, it's about that journey. It's great to have these goals and have these aspirations, but you have to stop and look at what you've created and just be in the moment sometimes. Yeah. I love exactly. it, man. Great. So if there's any question I could have asked you to make this interview better, what would it be, and what is the answer to that question? I, I mean, I really think, you know, you've covered a lot, man, but <laughs> Thank you know, you. Over, overall, Overall, I mean, it's it just there's different strokes for different folks, you know. For me, uh, you know, I, I look at things as again, I, I want to enjoy life. I I, tra- I travel quite a bit, and when I when you know, there's different people have different lifestyles. Like I travel about two and a half to three months out of the year. Which when you tell somebody you own four or five restaurants, they they're like, how is that even possible, right? 
I was wondering well, that myself, and I was thinking about asking, so how is that possible? Well, it's because I make, I love traveling. I've always loved traveling, and, and, and I get ideas. I get great ideas for the restaurant. I, I get, I love seeing new cultures, and I get an appreciation for life because when you go to third world countries and so on, you really realize, man, we have it pretty damn good here in, in the United States. And there's so many people still who seem like, I, I think people complain over the silliest little things when, you know, the, the quote-unquote problems we have on a day-to-day basis, most of them are not really big problems at all. They're just maybe inconveniences. So I make it, I make it a point that, you know, I, this is what I want to do. This is the lifestyle I want to do. Yeah, I've chosen an industry where normally, normally it's hard to travel a lot. But, again, going back to what we were talking about of, of going in a different route, just because everybody else says, hey, if you're a restaurateur, you can't, you're going to work 16 hours a day, 365, and that's just how it is. Well, I don't subscribe to that notion. I don't believe in that, and I believe that I can create something that I can, I can schedule my time. I can surround myself with good people so that, I can actually take two months off and go somewhere else. These days with, with Skype and all these other things, I can have meetings, whether I'm sitting with my toes in the sand in Thailand or whatever it might be, and still, you know, be completely in the loop as to what's going on at the restaurants. Making the conscious decision that you can do this, and in, in my case it's traveling, um, and not not listening to the again that the whole the naysayers who say that that's not possible or this and that you're in an industry where you can't take more than a week off I just don't believe in that. Yeah. You know? how, just, uh, how important would you say systems, processes, and procedures are to your ability to, to do that? Is it just the people, or do you have like these systems put in place where it doesn't matter who's there because it just it's it's everything has its place, everything has its order. There's only one way to do things. Oh, yeah, it's extremely important. I mean, when I open a new restaurant, it's probably within a week I start implementing systems for everything so that I can slowly take steps backwards and not, you know, to me, it's a, a real business is not a real business if I have to be there every day. That's mm-hmm. not, you know, it's going to have to, it needs to be able to run without me. So um, that could be systems from, you know, closing reports to, you know, side work for service to everything, mm-hmm. everything. Um, I, I do I do have a, a full-time, you know, assistant these days who has been a tremendous help for me as far as being able to take a big workload off my shoulder uh, shoulders. But, yeah, systems are crucial, you know, mm-hmm. so, whether, whether it be in the kitchen with prepping or whether it be, opening and closing, whether it be ensuring that we have one procedure when we hire new people that, look, everybody has to fill out all this paperwork before they ever go on the clock. And, you know, there's so many things, especially with keeping up with labor laws and all these things these days. It's, it's uh, that, that's, I mean, that's part of the industry that's not necessarily that much fun, but it is, no, nonetheless, a part of the industry. You have to abide by these things and and, uh, you know, you, you, you set up systems so that there's no shortcuts. So the same rules apply for everybody. There's no favoritism in that sense where if, if a guy no calls, no shows, and, and your policy is then to, to let them go, then that has to apply to everybody. And whether I'm in town or not, there's no, uh, there's no deviating from that policy. It is what it is. 
Awesome stuff. Yeah, great stuff. Man, you've been incredible today. Uh, I've asked all the questions I have for you. Um, we're going to wrap it up, and we do that by having you call somebody out, Johan. Who's one person you admire and just think would make a great guest on the show as a guest mentor? I think uh, he's a good friend of mine, but I think William Lopez. <laughs> William Lopez. Yeah, he owns a, a marketing firm here in San Diego. I, I use them myself. And it's a marketing firm uh, for restaurants. Primarily, they have they have uh, name. They have pretty much all have all the bars and restaurants. Yeah, so they secure PR. They do this and that for for uh, local restaurants and bars. I've seen tremendous. I mean, when I made the decision three years ago to hire them to do all my PR and to do all my social media and everything, it's just been. It, it took me from. It took me to a completely different level as far as being a professional because you get that, you get so much secured PR, you get your name out there, um, and it's it's but it's the right to, you know you can get tons of PR, but if it's for a little food blog that nobody reads, it doesn't make a difference. So they take the guessing work out of the way for me anyway, and you know he's a he's, he owns the company, he's phenomenal, he's a good friend of mine, but uh, I think. But the reason I would say him and, and that company is because they have made such a tremendous positive change for me and my restaurants that, you know, I think he has a lot to say about marketing and PR, which is such an astronomical part of a restaurant. Obviously, PR and marketing is huge, and um, he has uh, tons of knowledge. So I think people can get a lot of knowledge from a guy like that. William Lopez, man, look out. I think I can uh, come up with some kind of uh, marketing PR authority Thursday topic and have you on the show. If you're listening, I'd be honored. I will be in touch with you. And uh, that's everything. Let the folks at home know. I mean, if they want to come work for you and join your team, it sounds like you're a great place to work, amazing culture. Um, how can we connect? Um, well, I have a restaurant group, a group called Rise and Shine Restaurant Group. And it's riseandshinerg.com, and on that website you can get in touch with us by filling out the little first name, last name, email, and message, and uh, go from there. All right, beautiful. I'll have those links in the show notes. In the, <laughs> let me say that again. I'll have those links in the show notes. Uh, you can just go over to Restaurant Unstoppable slash Johan Eggman, and I'll have all the links right there. And that's uh, J O H A N. E-N-G-M-A-N at the end. Yeah, so thank you so much. Uh, You've been so incredible. There's no questioning, man. You are unstoppable. Thanks so much, man. All right. Good talking to you. Another episode wrapped up in the bag here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Johan just crushing it. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show. On the show today, man, you were great. Uh, Biggest lesson I took away from this episode was just that whole attitude of just trusting your gut and just going for it and taking a chance and living intentionally and making sacrifice. And uh, he also mentioned how he reads all these books, but the biggest thing is it's just that mind frame. Uh, When you read these books, it gets you in the right mind frame to be successful Uh, and I feel the same exact way every time I read one of these books, it just keeps me going. It drives me, just makes me show up to record another episode to just provide this resource for you because I know that it will help you 
and um, just knowing that you can be there to make somebody somebody's day a little bit better. Uh, it's just so worth it for me, and I think that's why you guys show up every day to go to your jobs, just to provide that great experience for your guests, just to make someone's day a little bit better. Um, but in order to show up, in order to be successful, you need to surround yourself with these incredible minds and to put your mind in that right place, and books are the best way to do that. Uh, so thank you for making that point, Johan. Uh, couldn't agree more. And just being good to your people, surrounding yourself with incredible people. This episode was packed with great advice. Huh? If you want to surround yourself with incredible people, and you're interested in uh, being more... Uh, I don't know, studious, try audiobooks. Trust me, it will change your life. Uh, you can get a free audiobook today at www.audibletrial.com slash unstoppable. It's free. Try it out for a month. If you don't like it, cancel your membership, uh, but at least give it a shot. All right, guys, that's all I have for you today. Uh, like always, shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. Uh, always looking for guests, always looking for a hot topic, something you want discussed. Let me know. I'll find somebody who's an expert, and I will do everything humanly possible to get them on the show. And also, check out restaurantunstoppable.com slash books and restaurantunstoppable.com slash tools for a complete list of all the books and tools my past guests have recommended the books they read and recommend the, the tools they use in their restaurants and say you should try these things that it works for us it's all funneled to one spot restaurantunstoppable.com and this is part of the mission this is uh, me funneling these things to one spot is one of the reasons why I started this podcast to make your life easier to put all these things into one spot all these recommendations all these referrals all these objective pieces of of advice from your colleagues all right there uh one trusted place restaurantunstoppable.com all right guys uh thank you again until next time peace out